Father, we do thank you for the Sabbath day, the day of rest, the day of fellowship with you and with one another, the day in which we can come aside and be encouraged in our journey. Uh, would you use this time as part of that means of your grace in Christ's name? Amen. So meanwhile, uh, if you've turned in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 29, uh, could someone read those verses for us, please? Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. So, if you are familiar with Bonhoeffer and his book, The Cost of Discipleship, if you've ever Googled it, you will find that generally people say the cost of discipleship is an extended treatment on the Sermon on the Mount. And they say that because the title of this chapter is The Conclusion. But then the book goes on and they treat the rest of the book like it's an appendix which would have Bonhoeffer absolutely spinning in his grave. The whole point, especially of this chapter, is that the Sermon on the Mount is not given to us for reflection, for thoughtful commentary and dialogue. It's given to us for action. The one who is blessed is the one who hears and does. Everything that we've been speaking about, everything Bonhoeffer has written the book about, is that the call of Jesus to come and be a disciple brings instant obedience. You immediately get up and follow. It is a call Rise and follow me. And so the whole point of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the, our, our, we are to be the light of the world, uh, and, and the, the way in which we live our Christianity in public, the way in which we live our Christianity in private, our righteousness is to be hidden. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Who are we hiding it from? Not the world. Because he's told us to live gloriously in the world. Are we hiding it from God? That's ridiculous. From whom do we hide our righteousness? We hide it from ourselves. And that is the key to avoiding what is called self-righteousness. Now, 
Bonhoeffer, uh, th this chapter is entitled The Conclusion. I do not want you to allow yourself to think that the rest of the book is an appendix. Uh, it's the conclusion to the sermon, but the cost of discipleship continues on as, as he'll continue to open things up. So as we address these passages, blessed is... Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did, and the, the wise man built his house on the rock, foolish man built his house on the sand. Now, does anybody remember something that happened in the evangelical church in the 1990s? And it was called the Lordship Salvation Controversy. And what the Lordship Salvation Controversy was about was, is it possible to say, or, or is the gospel, it, it really was, it really was about what is the definition of the gospel? Is the gospel repent and believe? And then later, to that person who has repented and believed, is the gospel message, is the Christian urging, now obey. But if we say obedience is part of the gospel, then we're teaching work salvation. And so they were very, very, very diligent about saying, you've got to separate faith and works. Saving faith is here. But if you add any works to that saving faith, then you're teaching faith plus works. And we're saved by faith alone. And so that was what the guys on the one side were saying. Now, maybe you, even if you don't remember the Lordship Salvation controversy, maybe you're familiar with John MacArthur. Because that's how John MacArthur came into contact with a young guy who had this ministry out of rural Pennsylvania in which he was publishing his own sermon notes and having his beloved professor uh, give lectures on video. And this young man named R.C. Sproul became engaged in the Lordship Salvation controversy, and he said, no, the gospel is the life of obedience. This is... This is what Bonhoeffer is saying. You cannot have the call without the following. You cannot have the call without the obedience. It is all one thing. And that's how John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul became very close friends. And if you know further, you know that R.C. Sproul and Ligonier Ministries was used by God to really spark a, a, a reformation within those who are convinced Baptists. So much so that the word Reformed Baptist is a fairly common term these days. And John MacArthur is one of the most beautiful preachers of the gospel uh, that I have ever heard, even though he still holds to a classic systematic theology that I disagree with. The point is this. What Bonhoeffer was addressing in the 1930s split the church 
in America in the 1990s. The issue of easy believism. That's Bonhoeffer's enemy in Germany. And consider what Germany is going through at the time. Consider what Germany is bringing into being in the 1930s. And Bonhoeffer connects it to the problem of easy believism. And he says, following the words of Jesus, the wise fool division. How many of you grew up singing the song? How many of you know the hand motions? <laughs> the wise man built his house upon the rock. All, all that. The wise, foolish decision that we grow up as Christian children from childhood singing is simply the question, are you doing his words? And to take the Sermon on the Mount, Bonhoeffer says this. This is a quote from uh, Bonhoeffer. Jesus does not mean that the sermon is to be discussed as an ideal. He really means us to get on with it. The only proper response to this word which Jesus brings with him from eternity is simply to do it. Jesus has spoken. His is the word. Ours, the obedience. And that's the call. His is the word. Ours, the obedience. The call to discipleship is simply obey. Get up and do. See these things that define the blessed man. See these things that tell us how to live our lives in public, how to live our lives in private. See these things and get up and do them. And the problem, ironically, is that we often think of the Sermon on the Mount in terms of commentary. <laughs> and, and Bonhoeffer says... If, well, uh, before we get there, sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. We, we often see his, uh, we see the Sermon on the Mount and we engage it as an interesting commentary on the verses. Now, here's something that I think Bonhoeffer did in the 1930s. That and, and so in the 1990s, I was a dispensationalist. I was a student uh, at a fundamentalist dispensationalist Bible college. I was right there. Of course, you know, I didn't know any of the big dogs in the hunt, but, but I was right there when all of this stuff was going on. And, and I, it, it was one of the major elements that drew me to the Reformed faith. But this lordship salvation controversy, the easy believism, in the 1930s, Bonhoeffer really does address it properly. 
with an emphasis that I personally did not hear in the 1990s. I didn't hear this emphasis. Now, that's my, that may very well be my problem. I was a Bible college student. I happened to be infatuated with a rather attractive young lady. There was not room for a lot of extra thought going on in my head. <laughs> so this could be entirely on me. But what I did not hear in the 1990s as the core, Bonhoeffer addresses as the core. And that is the doctrine of union with Christ. What does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 2 about the one who is in Christ? What does he say about you? Quote some verses for me. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You know that verse? By grace you were saved through faith. You know that verse? <laughs> it goes on from there. What's another verse <laughs> that's right in there? He has raised you up together with him and seated us in heavenly places. Union with Christ. How can you and I be united to Christ and not doers of his word? It's ridiculous. Now, we can be imperfect doers of his word, and yes, we are. But how can you and I be united, raised up together with him, seated with him in heavenly places, and then say, but I'm not going to live it out. That, that, is, that is insane. And I think the doctrine of union with Christ is where Bonhoeffer really does ground this uh, very well for us. He says, if we fail to obey, and this is a quote, again, from, from his chapter, there can be no union with Jesus. He has never known us. That is why as soon as the hurricane begins, we lose the word and find that we have never really believed it. The word we had was not Christ's, but a word we had wrested from him and made our own by reflecting on it instead of doing it. So our house crashes in ruins because it is not founded on the word of Jesus. And that rebukes me. It really does. Because I have spent many, many, many hours reflecting upon the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is not an unfamiliar passage to any of us. There have been books about the Sermon on the Mount for decades, including this one. But when we see the Sermon on the Mount, and think primarily in terms of, let's meditate on this. Let's reflect on it. Bonhoeffer says, what we are doing is we're taking his word and we're 
wresting it away from him and making it our word. Because he draws the line. The wise one is the one who does it. And the foolish one is the one who doesn't. So, I, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with what you're saying. It's not to us to discern the false from the true. It's to the disciple. It's to the disciple to say, am I following him? Right. These are the calls to us. So, let me tell you a story. True story. See how close I am. Okay, I got time. Don't look at your watch yet. Because I only have one little point to make at the end. (laughs) True story. I labored as a missionary in Uganda. And it was often very, very discouraging. It seemed like all of my gospel focus and, and pointing to Christ just didn't make a lick of difference. It seemed like I was just pouring into dry dirt. And so I was giving one of the elders of one of the congregations a, dry, a ride out to that congregation. And, and I, one of the things I did was elder training. And so we were going out there for elder training, and so I'm giving him a ride out to the congregation. As I'm riding out there, and he's driving out there, and he's sitting in the seat beside me, I ask him, I said, has the gospel made any difference in your community? Has it, has it changed your community? Have you seen a difference? And he said, oh, absolutely. Uh, this guy was 50 or so. Uh, he said, absolutely. He said, when I was a child, all the huts around, every night you would hear women screaming as they were being beaten every single night in our village. And he said, since the gospel has come into our village, maybe once a week. And when it happens, the neighbors rush over. I said, Wow. That's that's encouraging. Thank you. Thank you. I said, so tell me, do you ever beat your wife? And he said, oh, no, 
no, I would never beat my wife. I hit her, but I would never beat her. And I thought, ugh. <laughs> wow. Ugh. <laughs> my measure of the impact of the gospel in this community was clearly different from his measure of the impact of the gospel in his community. And God does his work. God does the impact of the gospel in the community. And I hope that elder son would grow up and be shocked at the idea of ever hitting your wife. Uh, God does his work. But ours is simply to live it out. And, And ours is simply to obey. And then the last thing I want to point out is Bonhoeffer's comment on the closing verses. It, it's, it's really beautiful. Verses 28 and 29. When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. And that's a fascinating couplet. Uh, we all know that's how the Sermon on the Mount ends. But they were astonished, stunned. Their jaws dropped open. They were astonished. And the reason they were astonished was because Jesus did not say, thus says the word of God. Jesus did not say, thus says the Torah, thus says Moses. He, in the sermon, says, you have heard it said, but I say. The word is standing in their midst. The word has spoken. The word in standing there and speaking, Bonhoeffer says, Jesus Christ has taken the judgment of the world into his own hands. That's what has happened in the Sermon on the Mount. That's why they're stunned. That's the authority that he has just declared in public. (laughs) He has said, the one who follows my words is the one who is wise and who is built on the rock. My words are the standard. He's taken his judgment, the judgment of the world upon himself. And Bonhoeffer closes this whole chapter and says, and his disciples are standing by. And that's where you and I are. If we are the disciples of Christ, if we are his followers, we're standing with him as he has taken all judgment and all authority into his hands. And our union with Christ, and this is providential because it does line up with our sermon text this morning. So, so I, I want you to, this is the bonus uh, part for everybody who came for Sunday school. This is simply the living out of our union with Christ. Uh, and we are united to him not just in his birth, as we will see this morning, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, but we're also united to him in his ascension 
and we are united to him in his reign, in his conquering the nations, in his ruling over all and defending us. So, with that in mind, let's close and we'll go into our fellowship. Father, we pray that as we do consider these words of our Lord, the word, standing and speaking with authority in our midst, that, Father, we would not just be hearers, but we would recognize that it is a call to discipleship. It is the definition of what it is to be your disciple, your child. And uh, help us to grow in that in every arena of our lives. I pray in Christ's name.